0: Welcome to episode 18. This is Holly Millward, a writer and a reader, and today I want to talk about two different books. I usually only highlight one per podcast, but I was on a break from my work recently, and I had the opportunity to read a little bit more than normal. And while I was on this kind of staycation, I read a couple of romance novels, um, or not They weren't straight romance novels. They were more um well we'll see. They were they were romances, but it wasn't like a um Harlequin or anything like that. Um but one of these books I really, really, really enjoyed. And the other book I couldn't finish. So I thought I would kind of pit these two against each other and talk about what I liked about um about each one and what I didn't like about each one and um kind of do a little bit of a comparison. So the two books that I want to highlight in this podcast today are The Hating Game by Sally Thorne and Gabriel's Inferno* by Sylvain Reynard. So when I picked up Gabriel's Inferno, I kind of had an idea that I might not like it, But there were certain things about it that I was like, okay, I want to, that interests me, I want to try it out and see, um, maybe I will like this. And so I actually downloaded the sample first, and I started reading the sample, I read all the way through, and I was intrigued. I I was intrigued. By the end of that sample, I was like, okay, fine, I need to buy this, just because I'm curious, I want to know what's going to happen here. So... I did that and I continued to read and I continued to read and I continued to read and I got to a point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. And and I'll talk a little bit more about that um, here in a little while. So I actually ended up putting that book down and maybe about halfway through, I don't know, it seems like it's a very, very long book. I didn't make all the way through and I made a conscious decision like for your own sanity (laughs) you have to put this book down and I know that I don't talk about books that I don't like very often on this podcast usually I come on here and I say I loved this book I thought it was great like maybe there's a few things about it that I might say that I didn't love but it's normally when I come in here and talk about books that like I'm usually a pretty Like, I'll read a lot of different kinds of books, and not a lot of things really bother me either. So most of the time when I'm reading, I've liked whatever it is that I've read, and I can at least find some good things about, you know, at least a couple good things about it. Um, As a writer, I want to be sensitive to other writers also, because I know that when you sit down to write a book, you really put a lot of your heart and your soul into these stories and into this writing so it's really hard to kind of criticize another person's work when it's I know that it's such an intimate process but again couldn't quite make it for me all the way through Gabriel's Inferno. Um, Now The Hating Game by Sally Thorne I loved 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 this book it might be one of my New favorites. I think I'll probably come back and reread this book. There were several things about it that really spoke to me, and so I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more here in our next sections as well. Um, I think what we'll do first is maybe go through a quick synopsis of both of these. Um, I normally try not to give too many spoilers with my podcasts. But um, I might talk a little bit, a little bit more in depth than I normally do, especially with the Hating Game. But um, stay tuned, and we'll do a quick synopsis for each of these. All right. So let's just quickly talk about what each one of these books are about. Like I said, they both are kind of um romances or based on a romantic relationship, a love story. So in The Hating Game by Sally Thorne, um this book is about two people who work together. Um and there were a lot of different things that I really liked about this. Um, so when the book opens, they have a history. It's not one of the stories where you open, you have your heroine who then meets the love interest. This, in this story, they've known each other for quite a long time and in fact have a, um, a fairly antagonistic relationship, at least that's how um, Lucy considers or, or looks upon their relationship. So the two of them work together in, um, in jobs that are like this, the same. They're both basically the chief of staffs for um, the CEO of originally what was two competing publishing houses, but um, these two publishing houses merged a year or two um, in the past and so now these, these two, both CEOs are still working um, with this, this now one publishing company that is merged. And so one of the things that I loved about this book is there's a description in the beginning that talks about the two different philosophies of where, of where these two publishing houses came from. So they talk about the Bexleys. So that's, one of the publishing houses and how the Bexleys are all like hard lines and angles and numbers related um and and you know about the bottom line and then the gammons that come from this other other publishing house are squiggly lines or they're like the human interest, the more creatives, the more interested in the literature side of things. And so it's these two different publishing houses with very different philosophies on um, books who have merged and now are trying to function as its new entity. So Lucy comes from the gammon side and Joshua comes from the Bexley side. So you you have these two different temperaments um you know trying to effectively run the show of this new of this new company publishing company. Because really the chiefs of staff here Lucy and Josh, they really do run the show more than the CEOs do. And I think that might happen um <laughs> One of the other things that i did like about this is it reminded me of my own job so i have a job very similar to this and so i could really put myself in the shoes here i work for a big corporation um, in a job doing a lot of the same things that these two do um and so it was really fun to kind of be able to put myself and plus I i love books so i'm not in publishing but um i love like learning about the publishing side of things as well so it just was really fun atmosphere atmosphere and environment for me to um, you know just enjoy even that just a background part of what was going on but when the book opens these two know each other they've been working side by side in fact they work in in this big room outside the offices of the CEOs but they work together and they're you know, the higher echelon of the company. So it's really, they're they're almost on a remote island by themselves all day long. And when the book opens, Lucy starts talking about, I mean, she's obsessed. It's like she's obsessed with Josh and they have this kind of competition where they are constantly trying to one-up one another. Um, But it's really interesting because because of this competition between them, it, it, like, makes them both, like, strive harder in their jobs, too. Like, they're very, um, I mean, I think they probably would be top-of-the-game kind of people anyway. But it's just, like, that much more, because of the competitive spirit between the two, you know, they're really operating at, a, at like, a, a really high level um, and doing really great work but lucy thinks that they hate each other um so like i said they have all these weird like i love i love the description that she gives about they have all these like little games that she thinks about like her ultimate goal is to try to make him smile once which she's never seen him do or cuz he's very professional and controlled and so, it's like she's always kind of trying to, I don't know, maybe, like, see a little bit more of the human side of him. And she thinks that he dislikes her, like, hates her, too. And so, I think that's really where a lot of this is kind of, almost like a Pride and Prejudice type of situation where she feels like she's been, um, like her pride has been hurt maybe a little bit she doesn't understand him so there's a little bit of that Darcy and Elizabeth Bennett type of thing going on here you do get a little bit of a feel for that um but they have all these games that they kind of go through so like who can you know who who does the report faster who um like they have all this like sparring this verbal sparring that they do that's like cute and fun I just really loved it and then she's like tries to figure out his password my computer password like she's like kind of snooping like he'll leave and she'll kind of snoop and she finds and I know that's normally that wouldn't be something that you would you know think would be good about a coworker, but it's like she's really trying to find out stuff about him and he does the same to her but it's really just really fun and interesting but as the story goes along you realize there's more going on here. Like, they're, towards the beginning, she's headed off toward a, a date with someone, and they ride in the elevator down together, Lucy and Josh, these two co-workers. And he suddenly hits the stop button on the elevator and kisses her, and she enjoys it. And so it's kind of like, after that, it's, like, trying to figure out... She's trying to figure out what's going on here. Like, she, she's, like, really resistant to it because also, at the same time, there's a job promotion that's coming up, and only one of them will be able to get this position. And she um, says that if she doesn't get it, like, she can't work under him, and so she'll just have to go find another new job. So she really, really wants... It's this... It's a job that she's been, you know, wanting since she started at the publishing company so so she there is kind of like a little bit of a question at least in her mind is he doing this to throw me off my game like is this all just like more more of these games that we play and he's trying to mess with me um so there's like a little bit of distrust and stuff there in the beginning but it really is I just love these two characters. There's parts of these books and scenes in these books that I just I just love. Like there's one part where she's she gets really, really sick. Um and so he goes home he goes home and takes care of her. Like she's so she's throwing up sick. Um and it starts while they're out on like a team building activity for her. Um well, for their company and they're kind of jointly running this team building exercise and she gets really sick and so he doesn't want to leave her alone. He can tell that she's in bad shape. So he gets her home and she just keeps progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And she's like completely she's like insensical and she nonsensical and she won't um she won't go to the hospital, but he's you know, there watching over her and <clears throat> ends up having his brother who's a doctor come over and you know, take a look at her and stuff. She's she's fine, but she's very sick. And there's part of it where she you know, she's one of the things about his character is he doesn't like for a long while, you're just getting it from her perspective. And he seems like he's this very professional, very hardline, you know, just you do get like kind of little glints that maybe she doesn't have things quite right about him, but But, like, there's... He doesn't crack a smile. He doesn't, you know, show that emotion um, very well. But in the middle of the night, she wakes up, and he's there. And he asks her something, and she, like, goes to kind of throttle him. Because that's how... She's, like, just frustrated with him sometimes. And so she's... I mean, obviously, she's sick and weak and not really going to hurt him or anything. But then he throws his head back and laughs. Like like he really is you get the feel that he's just constantly amused by her like he really does enjoy being around her and but he doesn't allow himself to show it but then in that in that moment you see that he really um you know she really amuses amuses him and he enjoys being around her so i again i loved this book so much and it, it became really think this will be a favorite of mine for years to come just because it was so fun and I loved kind of the two um the sort of the the lovers disliking each other at the beginning or what they think is dislike um although I think on her side it was more thinking it was dislike than on his side I think he liked her all along he just didn't he's actually, you'd find out he's actually shy, and there's some stuff from his background that, you know, even though he's just, like, really good-looking, really, like, professional, really, like, he's got it, he's, he really seems like he's got it all together, like, from the outside, but then you find out there's stuff in his past where it makes him, him a little more, um, not as confident confident in himself and so um, people misread that as maybe him being like his his shyness as being you, you know rudeness or you know him not accepting others when really it's just he's he's scared so again it does really remind me a lot of the Darcy character from Pride and Prejudice this is kind of the same sort of character all right now for a little bit about Gabriel's Inferno now this book apparently is the first in a series so there's more of these um like I said this seemed to be quite a long book to me um I I didn't make it all the way through, I stopped, I think it was probably around the halfway mark, it just got too, uh, I just couldn't, I got more frustrated, it was was making me angry more than I was enjoying it, and so I just decided to stop, I couldn't handle it, Um, which I don't, that doesn't happen very often for me, so... Um, I do want to be clear. So this book, Gabriel's Inferno, is a little bit more in the style of Fifty Shades of Grey. So I wondered if maybe, I'm not sure which one came out first, but it did remind me a lot of Fifty Shades. So it may have been a book that was written after. I would have to double check that. I'm not sure, but they just were very similar um, in a lot of respects. But I will say that I did not. Enjoy this book as much as I did Fifty Shades of Grey. I have a love hate relationship with Fifty Shades of Grey, but ultimately I do like it, and I'm I'm kind of maybe just intrigued by it. Is maybe more um, how I should. There were definite problems in my opinion with the book and the writing, um, but I did like the characters. And so I did read that full series. I don't have um, too much of a of a problem reading um, novels like this that talk about BDSM or or whatnot. I'm not into that myself, but I don't have a, really have too much of a problem with it either. I do think it becomes pro- problematic in some respects. So there have been after Fifty Shades of Grey came out. I did read. Some other books that were kind of sort of in the same vein. Um, But some of them were a little bit too extreme for me. There was, I can think of at least one that I stopped reading it because something happened that it just went too far over the line um, for me. Because if you've read any of these books, you know that, you know, normally the male character is very domineering, very alpha male. So I do like that type of a character in in the romance novels or just novels that I read that have a romance in them. I don't mind an alpha male character in real life. I would steer clear probably of a person like that. My own husband is not at all domineering. Um, he's not and not alpha male like that at all. So I don't think personally, I would be looking for that in an actual real relationship, but I like to fantasize about that. I know that probably sounds a little strange. Um, but I do tend to like characters who do have a little bit more of a domineering side, but again, that domineering can go too far for me, um, and it will turn me off really quick if it passes over that line. So a lot of times these books talk about controlling, you know, they're controlling of what the person eats, they're controlling of what the person wears, they're controlling of like when it when it gets into that kind of stuff, that's where I'm like, this is maybe a little bit too over the line for me. Like I understand the role playing in that and I don't mind that part of it. But when it comes to actual actually controlling a person's life in that minute of details and stuff, that's where I just can't, I can't handle that part of it. Um, so this book is kind of in that same vein, but I didn't honestly get far enough to really get into really that part of it I don't think but and honestly I don't know I'm not sure exactly where the relationship as far as that all goes um this book would be but it's about this professor of Dante literature Um, his name was Gabriel Emerson he's a well-respected Dante specialist but he's got this like undertone this like dark kind of christian gray type of undertone you see him he's always like really well dressed he's got a lot of money he's sophisticated he but there's like something about his past that's kind of he's tortured by um that's that's a secret kind of um and then there's this student that comes to the school her name is Julia, she enrolls as his graduate student, and you guys, it just, I can't even, so like, that part of it, okay, if you told me that part, I'd be like, okay, this, this intrigues me, like, I love the fact that this guy is like a Dante professor, okay, this seems right up my alley, and there is a lot of the things that I did like about this book, is there's a lot of of talk about art and music and pieces of literature. So the person that wrote this book is really very sophisticated with their um like knowledge of literature. You can tell it's like an an, an English major or someone who has a lot of knowledge about um literature. So that part of it I absolutely loved. I, like I really wish other parts of this book would have been as as likable. I would have loved this book if um the plot parts just had been maybe a little bit different, but this this graduate student comes and you can tell there's something strange. Like it's a secret at first in this book. It like slowly reveals something about these two people, and that's that they know they they had an experience years and years and years ago together, and she which she remembers, and he doesn't doesn't remember. Because he was drunk or on drugs or something, I don't know, but they had this like sweet connection, not sexual, but but it was like chemistry, sexual chemistry thing that happened when she was younger when they were while well, they were both younger, but he remembers it as like he thinks it's a dream that he had and but she knows that it really happened, so when she comes to be his student. There's this past history between them, which he completely doesn't remember. Like, he doesn't recognize her or or anything. It's just so strange. Because she's acting all weird, and the book is keeping it a secret that they had this past connection. And it's, like, slowly revealing it. And it's just, like, so bizarre. Like, I don't... I have a hard time with the believability of them having had this whole conversation. Like, spent hours and a whole night together and he just completely doesn't remember (laughs) like even if he was on drugs and stuff i don't know i just it's just so odd to me it's so strange so it doesn't start out on a good foot he immediately is kind of ticked off by something that she does and he's gonna and he's actually gonna he and then he misunderstands something else that happens she sends some flowers to the family which she his half-sister is, like, her best friend. That's the other thing that you're, like, really? He has no idea who you are? I mean, it's so stupid. And so she sends flowers because the mother has died. And he misinterprets it, like, like he sees these flowers and he thinks that she sent them because of him to try to get her position, like, to keep her position as a student. But really, she sent him to the sister, like... And because she knew the mother, like, like really well, as normally two girl best friends would know, a, you know, the mother of the other friend. So it's just so weird. And so then he goes off again, and she never corrects him about any of this. So he's going to have her thrown out of the program over this. And she never says, she never corrects him and says, by the way, I knew your mother very well and your half-sister is my best friend and like we've met she never corrects him it's just so strange and so he ends up finding out because his sister comes to visit him for something and oh it like suddenly you know he happens upon the two together on campus and then he learns that she's the friend and but I mean all of this is it's just weird to me okay and of course, she doesn't tell him right away that they had this experience either. So it just keeps going on and keeps going on and keeps going on until finally he realizes after, after like, all these weird, strange, awkward chemistry weird things have gone on between them, and he's acting all strange, finally he realizes. And then, and then suddenly now she's out. She doesn't want to have anything to do with the relationship now. I'm like, you know what would have fixed this is, like you people having a conversation about the past for, like, one minute at any point during any of this. Like, to me, the plot is so, so tortured and ridiculous, I just couldn't handle it. Because after they finally sort of resolved that, more stuff was happening that I'm just like, I can't handle it. Like, it's so contrived. It's just... How can we possibly make this more tortured? How can we make this relationship more ridiculous? <laughs> what other what other thing can we throw in the path of this to just have everybody overreact and, you know, be over go overboard to the nth degree? Like how what more can we do? It just drove me too much up a wall. I couldn't handle it anymore, and that's when I had to quit. But like I said, there were parts of this book If the plot hadn't have been like that I would have really liked this book because of some of the different elements of things that were going on and I know there's probably somebody out there that maybe read this book and loved it and so I'm sorry this just was not this was not a book for me I just couldn't quite hack it and so I don't know where the rest of these books will end up going I mean clearly these two people are supposed to be in love and so this is their journey and he has a dark past i know that with like drugs and stuff like that i did get far enough for that but there was whole other parts that were another weird secret there's there's another weird secret with some other woman that was involved there was a weird past relationship with another professor that was like all bdsm So there's more to the story, but I just didn't really care to get that deep into it because I found the characters themselves so ridiculous that I couldn't- I just couldn't cope. I just couldn't cope with it. So I put the thing down, um, yeah. So, I want to take a minute and just discuss some of the parallels between this book and maybe um, talk about what, in my opinion, or, or to me, sort of made it successful versus unsuccessful. So, in both of these stories, we have characters or a couple that begin where there, there is actual history between them. So they've, everybody has met everybody before. I guess Gabriel is the only person that doesn't realize this. Um, but Josh and Lucy have been working together for, you know, quite some time. Um, Gabriel and Julia have had this past experience with each other and actually she knows his family very well. Um, but they, they have this problem in the relationship that, um, you know, so so that the, something that has to be challenged or overcome um, in order for a romantic relationship to work. So with Josh and Lucy, she thinks they hate each other and he like plays into the whole competitiveness of this um, too. But, you know, a lot of many, romance novels don't start like this with characters who are kind of like trying to one-up one another and trying to hate each other I mean it's not completely unheard of it's kind of the Benedict and Beatrice from Much Do About Nothing type of relationship where um there's like a little bit of a pride involved with it um so it's like maybe they are extra um pitted against one another because they feel like maybe the other one doesn't accept them or doesn't reciprocate their feelings. Um, but to me, this, this, like, part of their relationship where they're kind of pitted against each other, it was believable, though, that, that a love affair or a love could grow out of that or be the source of that. So even though you have these two people that say they dislike each other, it was believable to me that like the way that it was written and she did such a great job kind of showing the undercurrent like the little under things where it made you wonder like okay Lucy thinks that this is a diss from Josh but is it really a diss or is it really him like you you saw those like kind of moments she was really careful to build it into the story that you know, he didn't mean to upset her like that. Like maybe, you know what I mean? Like she gets upset about, about something, but it was also very believable. It was very natural. It was very human. You know, you could put yourself in that situation and be like, I might misinterpret that as well. It was all very, um, believable in that respect and she did a great job of kind of transforming, building upon this and, you know, making this a great love story. Now, Gabriel's Inferno, like I said, it was like one more, like, one, like, completely, like, I could not put myself in either one of these character's shoes and feel like it would be a a normal human reaction to, like, Almost every single thing that happened in the book, like all of the points of contention just seemed so strange to me. And so just just for a book, like just to make it dramatic in a book, it did not seem believable to me at all. Like the fact that she wouldn't just say the first time they meet, oh, hey, I know your sister and your mother and your family really well. Or, you know, or, you know, not to mention, hey, we've met before. <laughs> like, it just seems so bizarre to me. And it actually seems like something you should disclose if you're going to be the student of someone. It, and then to try and keep it a secret. And I think the whole point of that was she was trying, it was almost like a test to see if he would remember this experience that they had. But, like, she knew that he was at least drunk. I mean, she didn't know he was on drugs, but I don't know. It just, it's just so strange to me. Like normal people wouldn't act like this. And then to let it get as far as she does in the very beginning, even where he's ready to have her thrown out of the program and she doesn't just explain herself. And I just think that's so odd. Like, why wouldn't you just say, I sent these flowers because I knew and loved your mother. And I'm your sister's best friend. It doesn't make any sense to me. And in fact, I think part of what I really hated about this was these people. Okay, so all of the people in these books are, are professionals. And they're supposed to be very intelligent. And I think Lucy and Josh, are, it's, they're successful characters with that. Because, like I said, everything is very human. Um, But you do get the impression, like, they're both... Like, they are emotionally... They are intellectually matched. Like, they are at the top of their game. They're very... Like, they they are corporate, professional. They know what's going on. Like, basically running this business for the CEOs. They're smart people. And even though there's some... They're misinterpreting some things about each other. It doesn't make them appear to be less smart, is what I'm trying to say. So they still are believable as intelligent people in their story. But Gabriel and Julia, he's supposed to be this preeminent professor of Dante literature. And she's supposed to be like... She could have... She got into... Yale or Harvard or one of the Ivy League schools, but she couldn't go because she didn't have enough money. But like it was amazing that she got in and like she's supposed to be oh she's going to be a brilliant professor when she you know gets to that point. But these people act like complete idiots. I'm sorry. It's not believable <laughs> at all. And that and that's what I disliked about The Gabriel's Infernal story so much. I'm like You cannot have these people who are supposed to be really smart, intelligent, top of their field people and then have them be so idiotic every five seconds. And you know what? Maybe that is human. Maybe there are people out there. Like, I understand that academic intelligence doesn't equal real-life intelligence, but this was just so disbelievable to me to have them be so... Like, oh, they're so smart, Um, but really, they can't even have, like, a normal conversation together to figure out, like, the most basic of things without having complete, like, misunderstandings every five seconds and having it be, like, a huge drama to everyone involved. Like, it just, it was too much for me, and I just couldn't handle it. And in fact, I kind of, I think I hated it. Because I, okay, so I came from a degree of English literature and stuff. So I just, so putting myself in that, like, I, it's such a bad look, I guess, on an English professor. It's almost like you're making my field look like total, like, like these people, as people are just... So ridiculous. I I, can't, I just couldn't... I didn't want to read any more of that. Um, I'm trying to think, what else about these books to compare them? Um, I mean, The Hating Game is one... It's a standalone novel, so you have the whole storyline in one book. You have beginning to end. So it was um, maybe more satisfying because obviously I didn't finish Gabriel's Inferno and there were another two books after it. And that's part of the reason why I checked out early, I think, is because I just, I'm not along for a three book ride on, on this. Like I don't really like either one of these characters. So like, I don't really, and I don't care about their love story because they're both so stupid about it. (laughs) Like, I don't want to read three books of just that. And it's like I said, it's not, I want to be clear, it's not, like, subject matter or anything. I don't even know if by the time I finished reading this book, like, before when I put it down, I don't even know, like, how much it had gotten into, well, I don't remember if there was even any, like, sex at all. Like, to the point that I got. I don't know. Maybe there was. I mean, I don't know. But it's not to me about like content on that because I read all kinds of different books and content doesn't really bother me. It was the actual plot and characters that were really bothersome to me in this book. Um, And I just don't have the time and the energy to spend, you know, multiple books worrying about these two characters um is what it boils down to. So to me, the hating game really successful Gabriel's Inferno not not so much. And finally, just to end, I do want to um like give my recommendations for these books and who might like them. Um, The Hating Game, I think it has a wide appeal. It does read to me like a modern-day Pride and Prejudice. Like I said, the dialogue was, like, witty. It was just fun to read. Um, I, like, I couldn't stop reading. I picked it up. I read the whole thing in one day, um, one afternoon while I was on vacation. And it just was fun to me. And so I think it has a really wide appeal and a lot of people would just really enjoy. It also doesn't read like a straight romance. This is not a book, even from the front cover, this is not like a Harlequin romance. This is like a book with a wide appeal to a lot of different people um, who would enjoy this. So especially people who like Pride and Prejudice, people who like maybe reading about um, kind of like publishing, like if you have an interest in publishing companies or kind of like, I don't know, office romances <laughs> might be kind of fun. But um, yeah, it just, it was, it was uh, great with a lot of people would probably like this book. Gabriel's Inferno was, as I said earlier on, is more of a Fifty Shades of Grey type of book. If you loved Fifty Shades of Grey and you weren't bothered by some of the strange plot things that went on, um, with that, then you might really enjoy this book. Um, I know I have friends who probably would love this book. Um, and that's like totally fine. It wasn't not for me, but you know, if you like this ki- kind of book, then you might want to pick, I know that this book is done well. It, There was a lot of reviews. A lot of people have read it. Um, It was one of the top in Goodreads when I think I was looking for, like, alpha male characters, I think, maybe, is what I searched for. And this one came up pretty high in um, that search. So plenty of people have read this book and enjoyed this book. Um, For recommendations, probably big fans of Fifty Shades of Grey probably would like this. Um, but, yeah, that's The Hating Game and Gabriel's Inferno. Um, I will continue to read some other books so that I can get some more podcasts out. And until then, I hope that you all have a great time reading. Um, and until then, I'll just sign off and tell you happy reading.